The following presentation was recorded live at the River Worship Center in Warsaw, Indiana. We now join the message already in progress. Boy, I tell you what, God's been, God's been pretty good to us. Well, at least to two of us. If God's been good to you and you know it, say amen. amen. Now, I thought that was that other class back there. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy, no, I, I thought that was them. I thought we learned that. Maybe we have to schedule a, a, a lesson with, with Sister Vanessa out here. And uh, everybody, no, I'm just messing with you. You know, one of the biggest, biggest kept secrets in Christendom today is that God's been good to me. People, people get, you, you, get, you get a little shy when, when you're standing by the gas pump and you're pumping your gas and somebody, all they want to complain about is the economy, the election, or the, you know how to, you know how to turn that tide around? I'll just say, well, praise the Lord, God's been good to me. And they'll look at you and they'll be like, you're one of those. Yeah. I, I, we are one of those, aren't we? We're one of those blood-bought, sanctified, born-again Children of God, to all who believe, Jesus gave the power to become sons and uh, children of God. Think about that for a minute. You're a pretty big deal. The world tries to tear you down, but you're a pretty big deal. Jesus thinks you were to die for. Really? Y'all, do you understand... You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, for the longest time, we, we picked up this thing, oh, you know, woe is me, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I think I'll eat a worm thing, you know. That mentality went through the church. How many remember when that mentality went through the church? Oh, I'm not worthy. What do you think that made God in heaven feel like when we're telling him, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy? And he said, I think you're worthy enough that I'm going to send Jesus to die in your place, and you're telling him, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Are you calling God a liar? If God says you're worthy, you're worthy. Now, I'm going to talk to the dads in here. How many of the, how many of the dads in here would let somebody just completely and, and utterly put their kids or their spouse, you know, their bride down? Do you think God's going to take that in, in, into consideration when he comes back and somebody who's been putting you down, somebody who's been agitating, irritating you, telling you you're, you're not fit for the dog to bark at, telling, telling you, you know, you, you know, I know Rodney Dangerfield capitalized on that back in the 70s and back in the day. You know, he, he was so ugly that he had to tie a pork chop around his neck to get the dog to play with him. That was the line underlying tone that we're not worthy, we're not worthy. That's a lie of the devil. Jesus said you're worthy. And what he says goes. Everybody else, let God, let God be true and every man a liar. Jesus said you're worth it. And if you'd have been the only one, praise God that we're not, right? A lot of times we like to get like we're thinking like we're the only one. Praise God we're not the only ones, right? You know, there, there's no temptation overtaking you such as is common unto man. So if the devil's telling you that, you know, you know you're, 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 you're low and you're, you know, what was that one um, Jed Clampett used to use, um, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut? And that's where the devil tries to keep you, and he knows as long as he can get you to believe that, he, he's, got this, he's got this whole truckload of the world's tiniest little fiddles 
And they can play you the world's woefulest little dirge. And you can say, oh, woe is me, you know. We need to be praising the Lord. We need to praise Him. We need to praise Him in, in, in the good times. We need to praise Him in the okay times. And we need to praise Him in the bad times. And we need to praise Him in the bad times. And we need to praise Him in the bad times. Are, are you with me? You see, it's easy to praise God in the good times. And when the sun is shining and, 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 there, and there are deer walking in front of your blind, it's easy to praise Him then, right? But all season long, when all you saw was 22-pound squirrels. <laughs> my dad, my dad, my dad's, a, he, you know, he, he's from eastern Kentucky. He's from Moorhead, Kentucky. And he loves squirrel. Now, he's living with my sister right now, okay? And by the way, I, I'm fried squirrel with a little brown gravy on it. I'm telling you, it's, you know, I... I'm showing my roots, you know, I, and, and I can talk about that because, you know, we hail from there, right? You know, we are from them there parts, you know. Uh, I'm probably the only one, to, I'm probably the only one in, in the room that when we pulled up into, uh, Dad got him a new car, and we were just, we were just little kids, and Dad got him a new car, and we pulled up into a certain relative's driveway, and, and they didn't know the car, and the next thing you know, a shot rang out. My, my dad yells out, hey, it's me, Jackie. Well, Jackie, you didn't tell us you got a new car. Come on ahead. And I'm like, look at my dad. And he goes, that's okay, they're kin. I'm like, they're what? I sure don't want them to be my enemy. <laughs> Boy, that was a tentative visit. <laughs> so, but, uh, so my dad loves squirrel, right? And uh, he's, he's, you know, if you guys know my dad, keep him in your prayers. I love him. He's a man of God. He's, he, 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 the Lord loves him. He loves the Lord, but but he's in in kind of a in kind of a um, I wouldn't say a hospice, but he's in a geriatric position. And but now the good thing about it is, is I always paid attention to when Grandpa and Dad and them would talk. From the time I was a little kid, I learned what they learned. Now my siblings are having a little bit of trouble because they. They didn't, they, you know, one, my brother's seven years younger than me, and he didn't, he didn't, he, you know, they were, when you're Willow's age, you don't pay attention to what Grandpa and Grandpa say. But I did. And the other day, I went for a stroll down memory lane over the phone with my dad, and I found him back around 1974. And do you know that even though he can't remember what you said to him 10 minutes ago, when I talked to him about Uncle Polly, when I talked to him about squirrel hunting, when I talked to him about, about going hunting with him and talking, you know what? I get to talk to my daddy. And I'm honored. So, kind of facetiously, and this is the kind of guy that I am, kind of facetiously, I know my sister was, he's staying with my sister and them, and she can't stand squirrel or anything like that. And, and I said, Daddy, I said, we got, we got a bunch of squirrel. You want me to get you a mess of squirrel? I'll bring you some squirrel out, and Jackie can cook it. And she's like, now, Jay, now, now, now let's go easy here. Um, I said, I got you a recipe. She goes, well, if you want to bring him over to your house and cook it at your house, I said, but he likes eating squirrel at home. Now, she goes, now, Jay, now, don't you, if you want to bring one or two, and, and then the, and then I went, I even went, I even went, now, now if you all know this, you know, if you know where I'm talking about in Moorhead, Kentucky. Now, you know, Grandma and Grandpa, they, they, they had nine kids, you know, so they had to, or 11 kids, then they had to, 
they had to whatever came wrong, right? And so I said, Dad, you remember you remember when Grandma was talking about how she would uh, she would make a make a, a, a possum or a raccoon for you guys? Oh, I love that. I said, Jackie, she could don't even start. Don't you dare. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's amazing to me. It's it's amazing that even in his situation, thank God that he he put that in me to listen to my elders. Because I can go back and talk to him beyond where most remember. There's a treasure there, Pastor. There's a gift there. My, he doesn't talk long to anybody. He normally talks about five, ten minutes, and he's like, well, I'm tired, i got to go. But you get him talking about something that, that he can remember. You get him talking about his past. You get him talking about Uncle Polly. You get him talking about Uncle Ori. You get him talking about some of those people. And I get my dad back. Just for a moment. You know, I didn't appreciate my dad growing up like I should have. I thought, man, this guy's from the hills. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't. Man, my dad... My dad, I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been to college. I got several degrees and diploma on the wall at home. But I learned more from my dad just out of common sense than any of those guys that I ever paid to teach me. And he taught me patience. Because I don't know about you guys, but I had to hold the light for my dad when he was working on the car. Patience is a virtue, not so much Rayovac flashlights that are. <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's 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 get into this. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? God is good, isn't He? All right. Thank you for allowing me to reminisce with you. Oh, by the way, we'll we'll, we'll light one of these candles each week, and and if you would uh, if you would want to um, light one for one week, uh, see Vanessa and she'll she'll hook you up, and so you can you can take part in that too. We'll also have some things that talk about the the, the why we celebrate the way we celebrate and and. All of that, there'll be pamphlets back there. You can get those. So, I am so glad for those those of you who are here in the house today, and and, and thank thank God we 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 had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Um, the family was over. We you know we stayed under ten, you know, and, and then uh, and then but uh, we hey we we had a good time. I think it's the first time we didn't have more than twenty five in our house, and our house isn't that big. You know, we, we had people, you know, a couple of years ago, we had people laying out beside the couch and over, you know, about the time that the football game came on, it was like, you know, it looked like a little little mini stadium in there. Everybody huddled around each other. So anyway, um, we're, we're glad that you're here. Uh, glad that those of you are joining us on the broadcast today. God is good, isn't he? We've got much, we've got so much to be thankful for. And, and how many of you know that Thanksgiving is not just one day? Thanksgiving, really, honestly, I'm going to do a play on words. Is that okay? Thanksgiving is really only one day. Today. Every day. Every day, we thank the Lord. Every day. Today is a day of Thanksgiving. Amen? Every day should be a day of Thanksgiving. I woke up today... 
And and you know what? For me, for the believer in Christ, whether I wake up here, which I have another opportunity to, to praise his name, or whether I wake up in his presence, I'm good. I'm good. I, I am I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be here and I'm blessed to be there. But as long as I'm here, how many of you know, as long as we're here, we wake up in the morning and we see the sun coming through the, the window or we go to bed at the, in the evening and, and, and Miss Willow's looking out the, out the curtains to see Mr. Moon watching over her in the night. And we, whether we wake up here or there, we're blessed and highly favored. Amen. And you, you, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, are worthy. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, um, and we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and, and we want to make sure that we're, we're always in a continual state of thanksgiving. Now, it's easy, it's easy sometimes. This year has been easy for us to forget that we were supposed to give thanks in most things, right? What? We're supposed to give thanks in all things? Wow. How's that even possible? How's that even possible? Man, Lord, don't you know what we're going through? Lord, don't you see what's going on around us? Lord, don't you feel the pressure here, there, and everywhere? Lord, how can you expect me to give thanks in all things? You know how you do it? You want the, you want the first nugget first? No matter what you're going through, you want to know how you can give thanks in everything? All you got to do is take your eyes off your circumstances and put them on the provider, put them on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You get up in the morning and, and you say, good morning, Lord. What are we doing today? It doesn't matter what comes your way. You'll be able to give thanks that day. You, you, you stop and pause during the day and you say, Lord, oh, that had to have been you. I don't know what I was doing the other day. I was coming out here. and, and uh, the, How many of you know this light down here by Toyota is a trap? I, them people get in that turn lane and they want to come straight because it looks like you can go straight for a while. Well, I, I, was in the, I was in the right lane. A guy was up there and he wanted to race. Room, room. Buddy, and I was, in, I was in my Nissan. I was in the little gal. And I'm like, there ain't no way, buddy. You can have it. No. Uh, <laughs> but they, whatever reason, a guy came from like four cars back and he was zipping up through there, and, and all of a sudden he realized that he's running out of lane, and he was running on the, on the berm, and he was running in the gravels, and, he was, and I thought, oh, no, he's going to go in the ditch. Oh, but he cut the wheel to the, to the left, and guess where he came? In my lap almost. And I thought, oh, he must be in a hurry. This guy must be in a hurry to endanger people's lives and his own life like this. This guy, oh, he, he had to be going somewhere. And what did he do? Gets right up to that light and turns and turns right in. I'm like, oh, Coles must have had a sale. All right. All right. It's, uh, we got to give thanks in everything. Amen. Thank God that, he, that that guy was okay. Thank God he didn't hit me. Thank God that, you know, we can find something to be thankful for. I was talking, I was, I was, th- I was meditating on this out in the, out in the fellowship area. And, uh, and uh, uh, one of the little fellows out there said, uh, wonder what we could be doing now. And I kind of blew his mind. I said, well, we could be hanging off of a raft in the middle of the Pacific Ocean praying to God that a, a ship will pass and see us. Now, he didn't have those thoughts in, like I did. And I went on to tell him about, about how Pastor Burkhart one time was, was in, in, uh, in, in, over in, the, in East Asia on, 
and, and they were without, without water for about a month. And they didn't know if they were going to get water. And they were, they were doing all kinds of things just to, just to survive the thirst. You know, you can, you can go without food for about 40 days, but you've got to have water. I mean, that, he talked about how they were straining water out of their socks. And they were straining water just to... And, and finally, when they saw that supply ship come in and they had big, big things of water... Every, every man passed the food. They passed the mail. They, you know, they know that there's mail coming from home. They know that there's food, but they had to have water. Just as the deer pants for the water brooks. You know, do, are we that in that position with the Lord where he's the most important thing to us that we cannot live without him? That's the, that's the question. And, one, and once we find ourselves in that position, then giving thanks to the Lord will become simple for us. When we know we're not all that in a bag of chips, then giving thanks becomes an easy thing because I'm fully reliant upon the Lord. Amen? Fully reliant on God. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse number 16, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Therefore we don't lose heart. Amen? Therefore, in the middle of a pandemic, we, we don't lose heart. Therefore, in the middle of, of crises, we don't lose heart. Therefore, in the middle of, of situations that we go through, we do not lose heart. Amen. Aren't you glad today that there is one who keeps our heart? We used to sing the song to him, Jesus, lover of my soul. And he loves us more with a love greater than what we can love ourselves, if that's possible. He says, yet the inward man is perishing. Uh, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The, the outward man is perishing. Aren't you glad that your inward man, every day his blessings are new? When you wake up in the morning, his blessings are new. You know, when you go to bed at night and you say, Lord, I, I didn't quite get all that you needed me to do done today. And Lord, if you give me another chance and you wake up and you got another chance and there, there you go again. And you're like, praise Jesus, I can do it again. You're being renewed. Your inward man is being renewed. For our light affliction, the Apostle Paul talks about. And, and, and again, when, when the Apostle Paul was talking about this light affliction, we read in the, in the other Gospels and in the Epistles, we read where, where he was on his way to Rome. And this is one of his missionary journeys. But his light affliction, and when he was on his way to Rome, he said that, that, that the Lord had given him a thorn, a messenger from Satan, to buffet him. He asked three times, Lord, would you remove this? And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And so he, we knew that he had a light affliction. We knew that he was, he was having trouble. And a lot of people uh, assume or presume that it was with his eyes. Which is but for a moment is working, um, uh, is working for us in far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. Do you realize that what you're going through, the trials and temptations that you may be going through, this thing that we may be going through in 2020, it's going to be far exceeding the glory that we're going to come into. No matter how bad it may get, the glory that we're going to see when the Lord returns is going to be greater than anything that, that we, could have, we could have ever even imagined. There's a, there's a book in... in, in, in 
we, we, some of the guys, some of the men, the elders here, we, we went through it. And we've kind of looked at some of the things that, that the early church went through, and it's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And there was something in the pages of that book about how Christians were, were, were killed for their faith. But everyone that had to die for their faith, every one of them to the man or to the woman have found a special grace. Every one. <laughs> the, uh, I remember I, the, one, the one that I, that I particularly, I, I don't know that I liked how he did it, but I, or liked what they did to him. But Polycarp, anybody remember John? And he was on the, on the Isle of Patmos. He had, he had, a, he had a, a, a student, he had a, um, a disciple called Polycarp. And he said that uh, they, they came to him and they said, listen, you can have your Jesus, but you've got to say that Caesar is Lord. You can keep Jesus. We don't care. We're good with your Jesus. But you've got you to you deny him as Lord and, and, and say that Caesar is Lord. Right? Now, you know what would happen in 2020? People are like, oh, oh no, no, no. I, don't want, I want to live. I want to live. Because Lord knows I've got, you know, I've heard, I've heard of people living to 100. I want to live to be 100. Never mind that in eternity, it's millions and millions and untold. We can't fathom eternity. We can't fathom infinity. Right? We, we can only see with our finite minds. You know, my, my, my mama, she, she was 104 years old. That was a long time for me. I thought she was ancient. You know? The closer I get to, to 60, I'm like, man, maybe she wasn't so ancient, you know. But she did her garden. She was out in her garden at 100. And the only reason she didn't get out in the garden at 104 was because they wouldn't let her. They were afraid she'd break something. We do not have the perspective of eternity. We can't, in our own natural mind, grasp it. It's beyond us. We can only see today and a bunch of yesterdays. For us to live is Christ and to die is gain. But we have to make sure, like Polycarp, when they come to us and say, you can keep your Jesus on the side, right? You can keep him in the trunk as a spare tire, but you've got to say that thus and such is Lord. For Polycarp, it was Caesar. You have to deny Christ and say Caesar is Lord. And Polycarp, I love his testimony. I love his testimony. He said for 86, 80 and 6 years, Jesus has been faithful to me. And I shall not deny him now. Take my head. Take my head. It is, it is rumored that the reported and recorded in certain, in certain historic, history books that the Apostle Paul, when they said it was his time, remember he had appealed to Caesar and, 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 and uh, um, Festus and Augustus said to Caesar, you shall go. It is reported of the Apostle Paul. He said, there is therefore now a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And when they and when they came, they, when the when the executioner came, the the Caesar, when it would be Caesar Nero, could give him a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Now, 
we've got it backwards in America. American culture is wrong. Thumbs up means do it. Off with his head. Thumbs down means to stay. Right? The gladiator movies had it wrong. It was thumbs down to, to stop. Thumbs up, go. He looked, at, he looked at Nero and Nero didn't do anything. The executioner looked at him. And the Apostle Paul ran. It's reported he ran and placed his head on the chopping block and said, here. Hmm. Peter, the same, the, same, the same emperor, Peter, when Peter was going to be crucified, he found out that he was going to be crucified. He said, I'm not worthy to die in the same fashion as my Lord. And, and tradition says that they crucified him upside down. We're a long way from the first century church. My, grand, my grandpa had church in, a, in an old, unheated, un, un-air-conditioned school. Remember the old the, um, the, uh, folding chairs from the, uh, that, the, that they used to borrow from the funeral home and the fans? You know, when I was a little kid growing up, man, they didn't have no air conditioning, didn't have no, you know, and, and they had those old fans with the wooden stick on them, looked like a popsicle stick, and, and they always said from the lamb funeral home, I'm like, yeah. You know, that what, a, what an image that portrayed. But, but the house was full because people loved Lord, the Lord more than they loved themselves. What do we love today? What do we love today? Most of ours is in self-preservation, isn't it? Oh, if I do that, if I do this. If, if, it, would just, if it were just in self-preservation. How many of you ever heard of the, of the, of the Borden Milk Company? You ever, you ever see Borden, Bessie the Cow, Borden Milk? All right. Do you know one of the Borden sons was was going on? He was becoming a missionary, and he was, and and, and he would he would go, and they were, they looked at him, and they began to condemn him. They began to say, "Are you kidding? Are you crazy? You're giving up a fortune. You you could be wealthy. You could do whatever you wanted to with your with your dad's money." As he landed in 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 Africa, as he landed. He contracted malaria and never talked to the, never talked to the first, to the first person. He would die. But he obeyed the call. When they sent his belongings back to his mother, she opened up the, the fly leaf of his Bible. And in the fly leaf he had written, All lies before me, nothing behind, no regrets no regrets when we stand before the king of kings and the lord of lords will we have regrets that we could have and didn't what regret will we have when we stand before him amen this is why we look at the things which are seen in verse number 18 we do not look at the things excuse me while we do not look at the things which are seen but that the things which are not seen how many of you know that greater is he that is, is, that is in us than he that's in the world? We sometimes look at the situation. We sometimes look at the scenario. We sometimes look at, the, at what's going on in our life and say, how are we ever going to get through this? But let me just tell you that we, we look as believers in Christ. We are called to look at those things which are unseen. 
How many of us need a, need a little refresher course on the man of God and, and his servant Gehazi when the, when the Syrian army had encircled the camp? And, and, and you imagine one morning he was going out to get the paper. I don't know what he was doing. I'm just making that up. He, Gehazi was going out and, and he, was in, he was going out and he was looking around and, and maybe he's collecting the eggs. I don't know. Maybe he's getting milking the goat. Who knows? And, and he went out and, he, and all of a sudden he looked around him. And he dropped his pail and he looked around him and all around the city was the Syrian army. <laughs> he goes back in and he says, oh, oh, master, master, master. They're all around us. All oh, the, the armies have gathered around us. These are mighty men. They're warriors. They've come around us. What are we going to do? And, 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 and he says, chill, man. He said, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And he went out again and he looked. And your Bible says that around encircling the Syrian army was a great, mighty army of warring angels. Maybe if we started seeing the things that God sees, these situations that we're going through wouldn't be such a hassle, amen? Maybe we could start thanking God a little bit more if we started perceiving His hand in everything that we do. And maybe we would start perceiving his hand in everything we do if we start living for him, if we make, our, make up our minds to put off these worldly garments, these grave clothes, and put on the garments of righteousness, and then we would start seeing his hand move more in our lives. Amen? You know, sin will separate you from God. But aren't you glad that God will separate you from sin? You want a godly perspective... Lay off these worldly things and these worldly ambitions and these worldly lusts and, and then start loving God. Start serving God. Well, pastor, you just don't know. You don't know my situation. You don't know where I live at. You don't know where I... Let me tell you something. You, that may be true, but I know somebody that does. And he said he would never leave us or forsake us. And so if he said he would never leave or forsake us, he would be with us always, even until the end of the world or end of the age. What does that mean to you? That no matter where we go, there he is. Amen. He says, for we, um, he says, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen. And you might want to highlight this because I got a little happy in my study when I got to this point. The things which are seen are temporary. Everything that we're going through is temporary. Everything is temporary. This life. Is temporary. And a lot of, not a lot of pastors are talking about this. But, but for the rapture, except for the rapture, this guy's going by way of the grave. That's why the writer of Ecclesiastes says it's better to attend a funeral than a party because a funeral reminds us of our end except for the Lord return. We need to understand this life is temporary. And for the believer in Christ, I've been bought with a price. This life is not mine. I've surrendered my will for His. And if I've surrendered my will for His, then I will do His bidding. You see, a lot of us say we're surrendered to Christ, but then we want to do our own will. Right? Right? I'm, I'm surrendered to Jesus, but then I, I, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. How surrendered are you? How surrendered are we? 
If he's not Lord of our life, is he Lord at all? These things which are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you ever wonder why the Bible tells us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I, 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 love, I love Pastor Burkhardt. I, I, you, guys, you guys know I do. I, I love him. Can you imagine the, the stuff that, and he died. He, he, they, barely, they barely had insurance to bury him. But when, but when, when he got to heaven, all those years of sending forth treasure into heaven, sending treasure into heaven. You know what? There, there are people that can't even make up their mind whether they're saved or not. And, and, and Pastor Burkhart was piling up treasures in heaven. There are men of God that didn't do that. What are you going to have? What are you going to walk into when you get there? If we're supposed to be laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven... You know, a lot of people, a lot of people are, are, are enticed by gold. And, and, and I, got, I, I got gold ring and gold necklace, whatever, but it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't rule me. A lot of people are going to try to get to heaven and take, their, and take their treasures with them. You know, my, my cousin, God bless him, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a hoot. And, and, and he said one of these days, he goes, when I die, he goes, I asked the, I have asked the, the, the mortuary if they could put a rental hitch on and have a U-Haul following the hearse. Because everybody says there ain't going to be, you know, U-Hauls following a hearse. <laughs> he, he wants to go out with a, making a statement, I guess. I guess once he does it, I'll never be able to preach that sermon again. <laughs> you can't take it with you. So what's going to be there? What you send ahead. What are you sending ahead? Do we so focus on the things which we can't see and miss the, that great vast thing? You know, in, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, wherefore see him about, we're encompassed by such a great a cloud of witnesses. There are people that we can't see that are cheering us on. There are people when, when, when we get a victory over something that's been plaguing us, you know, it might be our temper. It might be our self-defeated attitude. There, there are people that when we get a victory and, 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 and the angels begin to look and say, he made it, he did it, he did it. This time he didn't fall. There are people that are cheering us on. Okay. He said we need to, we need to focus on the, on the things which are eternal. But the things, that we, the things that we see, are they're just temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Go with me to Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to begin reading in the first verse. In, in we're talking about always giving thanks, giving thanks, giving thanks. Sometimes I think when we, when, we become, when we become lackadaisical in giving thanks, we begin to think that maybe God doesn't love us. I hope I'm not talking to anybody today either in-house today or on the broadcast today that think that God doesn't love us when things start going bad. If God only loves us when things are going good, most of the time, most of the time we'd be questioned whether God loved us or not, wouldn't we? If, God, if, we, only, if we only thought... If, now, see, that's a, that's a false religion of man. God loves us when everything's going well. You know what? You know what? In, in trials comes patience and perseverance, and, and that's a testing of our faith. And, and so we, you know, let those things come. There was a time, there was a time in, in this country when we were going through such a thing as what we are now, the church houses would be filled. Have you noticed a difference? There was a time not too long ago, just, just almost 20 years ago, there was a time 
when a calamity hit America and America came, ran, run back to the house of the Lord. We call it 9-11. And for six to nine months after that, people wanted to get in touch with God. They had to find, they had to put, they had to find true north. They had to make, make sense of the, the insensible. The ironic thing, 20 years later, now a biblical generation is 40 years, or 40 years, so half a generation later, all the help in the world is going ignored. Do you remember, do you remember them, them, them colanders, their their um, sifters, the, those sifters you put flour in them and you'd, you'd sift them? You know, we got an antique one at home. And you know the funny thing about it is, it still works. Matter of fact, it works better than the one my wife bought recently. She said, I, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. I hear her around the corner in the kitchen. This thing's a piece of junk. This thing's a, oh, what? It, it, it was like, what are you doing? And I go in there and she's got that little one. It's got that little um, cranky handle on the top of it and it's clogging up and it ain't working. The blades ain't working right. And I said, well, right there's one. She goes, oh, that's an antique. I don't want to use that. Two or three more times, I say, you know, a lot of us, it's easier to curse the darkness than it is to light a candle, isn't it? Isn't it easier to curse our situation, to get mad and swear to, you know, oh, this thing isn't working, this Isn't it easier just to yell at the situation than it is to light a candle? So I go over there and I get that thing off the, off the top of the cab cupboard for her. We wash it up and rinse it because it's got dust on it because it's a... It's a it's an eyepiece now. 100-year-old flower sifter versus the brand-new, high-tech, Dyna-Wappen electronic design, you know, computer design model. Get that little thing, that little squeeze handle. Look at that. I had half that bag of flour just sifted and and she was still fighting with that thing. Hmm. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's not right. It may not be more as much convenient. Just because just because it's a tradition. Just because we found the, found God there before. Just because we, it, it, you know if we're going to get through this thing and we're going to get through it right, we need to be in the house of the Lord. We need to find ourselves back at the altars of God. Amen. These altars need these altars. They're, they're here for a reason. The altars. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not lost. I don't need to go to an altar." The altar was never built. You look at any altar in the Bible. It was never built for the lost. It was built. It was created for the righteous so that they could run into the house of the Lord and be saved. Saved from what, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did. Saved from whatever. From the enemy, from the plagues, from the, you know. And, and by the way, I peeked over into the back of the book. I peeked over in the Lord, and we win. I just took a, I just took a peek. I know you're not supposed to do that. Vanessa hates it with, with, the, with the Hallmark channel because you know, they've only got one theme, guys. 
lady loses puppy, loses apartment, loses job, goes back home to the country, finds a guy she met, and, and, and all of a sudden it all comes back together and she should have stayed home to begin with. Oh, was that Sweet Home Alabama? I don't know. Anyway, all right, just throwing that out there. Oh. America needs to return to the Lord. America needs to return to God's house. There's hope and healing in God's house, amen? There's, there's, there's spiritual well-being in God's house. We need to return to an attitude of thanksgiving about knowing who God is and who we are. And He's in control, and we are not. If 2020 has taught us anything, we're really not in control. We are not in control, but we know the one who is. All right, Colossians 2, verse number 1. He says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. Now, let me pause here for a minute. Laodicea is one of the churches that you'll find in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. You might want to, there's a reason that we're here today, but you might want to check that out, Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and see what Jesus said to the church at Laodicea. And you might notice some similarities. All right. As for as... For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now, the the Apostle Paul's writing a letter to a church that they've never seen him. They've only heard about him. They've only read his letters. How many of us would go to church if we could only read letters? If we got up here today and we're saying, you know, we've got a letter today from from Pastor Glenn up up in Sturgis. He can't be here with us, but he sent us this letter. And the letters or the epistles went through the entire church. Now, now there were elders and there were, there were bishops and there were deacons in the church. But the letters, were the, 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 as they went through, they were the law. I was sharing back, um, back in, in October, I was sharing with some of the, some of the elders of the church the actual, the actual doctrines that the apostles used. And it's a little bit different than what we do today. They're actual, actual doctrines the, the, apostle, the, the apostles used. And, and because the apostles, remember, remember the apostle Paul said in, in that you learned from us, that you heard from us. All the apostles were on the same page. Those in Jerusalem, the, those, in, those in Galatia, those in Rome, they were all on the same page. They just, they worshiped differently, served differently because of the geographical location, but they were all on the same page. The word of God and the apostles' doctrine. <clears throat> that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining all riches of full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, of, of both of the Father and of Christ. Notice that's, what, that's the call to, that the apostles have. That's the call that we have here at the church is to, to encourage and, and, and that all might be encouraged being knit together in love. It's one of the greatest things that, 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 that the Lord has shown us is that the word of God is to families. You start in the Garden of Eden, you start in Genesis, and you see that God created a family, Adam and Eve. Sorry, it wasn't Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. And he said, let them be, multi- let them be fruitful and multiply. Then you look at every patriarch following that. It deals with their family. There was no lone rangers. There, you know, 
the thing about the Lone Ranger. I, I loved the Lone Ranger growing up when I was a kid. But in, in, in any kind of oxymoronic, even the Lone Ranger had a faithful sidekick, Tonto. So he really wasn't alone. Right? You get to Abraham, we see his family. You get to Noah, we see his family. You you get over you get over into you get over into into David. What do we see about David? Family. You see Saul, you see family. Samson, mom and dad trying to guide him down the right path. Family. All the way through. Family. It's about family. You get into you get into Matthew. What's the first thing we see? The genealogy. Where do you get genealogy? Family. Right? What's that? What's that place? Um, oh, they genealogies are big things now, and people are finding out who and where. Ancestry.com. Yeah, you get a you you get in there. You, we even we even see about Peter's Peter's mother-in-law being sick, right? You see the widow that had the had the son that 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 passed away, and Jesus said, "Hey, wait, wait, wait." It's about family. Lazarus and his two sisters. We. It's all about family. And then all of a sudden, we get into the book of Revelation and we see Jesus himself returning for his bride. Let me just tell you something. When there's a groom and a bride involved, it's about family. Right? It's all about family. Cover to cover, this book is about family. And one of the things that we found out at the river is like, if this is a family book, then we need to be about the family. We need to be a family church. About God's family. Right? And so that's what we've become. That's what we're, that's what we're making. And we're here to encourage our brothers and sisters as part of the family of God. <laughs> if you love Jesus, if you, if, you, if you have received Jesus because to all who believe, He gives the power to become sons of God or, or family of children of God. And He talks about us as dear children. Right? Now, I grew, up, I grew up having brothers and sisters. They're still my brothers and sisters. Through thick and thin, they're going to be my brothers and sisters. Do we always agree? No. Do we always get along? No. But we're still family. We're still family. So we're, we're, we're here that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Um, and the attaining of, of all riches and the fullness, a full assurance of understanding. You know, when we, quit looking, when we quit looking at the Bible to see what we can get out of it, um, it, it when we start looking to see how we, can, how we can line our lives up to it and what we can give into the, into the body of Christ, what we can do is giving in to, and working the work of the ministry, then we start seeing things in a different perspective. Have you, have you ever had one of those things where you see, you, they do a perspective and they set something up there and they say, tell me what you see. And, and we, used to, we used to do it with a milk carton. You know, you put a milk carton on there and, and, and one guy say, well, I see, you know, the USDA requirements for, okay, good. And the other can say, I see, you know, whole milk. You know, and the other one say, and the other one say, well, I see Daisy the cow. Okay, um, you know, and then the other guy says, I see my cousin Louie. He's been missing for 14 years. It's perspective, isn't it? Isn't it amazing when you turn and you change your perspective, how things either come sharper into focus or they get out of focus? 
You ever, you ever lost perspective? See, I think our world today has lost perspective. I think that we're not seeing things as clearly as we think we're seeing things. We're not seeing, we're not seeing the big picture as we ought to be seeing the big picture. Because I think we're closer now than we've ever been to Jesus Christ's return. The big picture may not be the, the virus. The big picture may not be the whatever's coming right ahead. The big picture may be the big picture may be that, that we're gonna see we're gonna see Jesus appearing soon. And we're closer now than we've ever been at any point in history. When you woke up this morning, you were closer than any of the apostles. You were closer than, than my grandfather, Brother Sumrall, or Pastor Burkhart. We're closer. Every day that we live, we're closer to his return. And let me just point this out. Even if he doesn't return today, we don't know that we're going to go into tomorrow on this earth. I was blessed with this day. I was blessed to be able to see you. I was blessed to be able to, to talk to you about Jesus. My day would not be complete if I didn't get to talk to someone about Jesus. I like talking about him. Because he saved me. He delivered me. He gave me a family. Not just my natural family, who I love dearly, but he gave me a family. And if we would start pulling together instead of ripping apart, if I would quit, if I would quit looking at my brothers and sisters and say, you know, I really don't like, I really don't like silver shirts. Sorry. Not, no, not going to take, take you to the steakhouse today. You wore a silver shirt. <laughs> Maybe next week when you wear the green one. Isn't that so third grade? Well, if you're going to be if you're going to be friends with him, you can't be friends with me. Guys, that's in the body of Christ. Well, if you're going to go over to that place, we, we heard we heard that they got drums. You know, I remember the first time we ever we ever we ever not here, but the other church we the first time they ever put drums up on the stage. You you, you would have thought people going to have a coronary. You, you would have thought that, that Lucifer himself was going to come and preach the message. You guys, are you guys aware of who invented music? You know, if Miriam took a tambourine, tambourines are percussion instruments, by the way, and, and if she took a tambourine out and led the women in triumph in a... In a victory shout over Pharaoh and Egypt's army. Maybe we just maybe we just don't have a maybe we just don't know how to celebrate victory anymore. It's been a long time since VE Day and VJ Day, hasn't it? It's been a long time since we've been victorious, hasn't it? Is it possible that the devil has stolen your shout. Why would the Bible tell us to shout with a voice of triumph? Why would the Bible tell us that and then we don't do it? 
You see, we're so concerned with the cares of this world. And you get over into Matthew chapter 7, and you see what happens in, in the parable of the sower. You see what happens with the people who are encumbered by the cares of this world. They spring up and they say, oh, we love the Lord. But the cares of this world and the troubles of this world come and steal the seed away before it can take root. I think that the devil has stolen a lot of our joy, amen? I think especially this year, he's, taken, he's taken, trying to take out the joy and infuse it with fear. But let me just tell you something. Perfect love casts out fear. And where do we find perfect love? In Jesus Christ, amen? All right. We want our hearts to be encouraged. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, and that's talking about... God the Father in Christ. He said, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Well, I tell you what, my, my, my dad's mom, you couldn't, you couldn't talk her into anything. She wasn't from Missouri, but it was show me. I remember she had a, a, a guy came to her house, and they, they used to have peddlers that come to the house, and and, and I don't know, it wasn't a fuller brush, man. It was somebody else. But some peddler come to, oh, it was a um, McNess. Anybody remember McNess? That the, 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 the came to the house and he was selling her. He, was, he said, now, Miss Sparks, I got this oil. It's called anti-pain oil. Now, in eastern Kentucky, it wasn't anti-anything. It was anti. Anti-pain oil. And she goes, I ain't, he goes, he goes, oh, this will, this will, you know, if you've got muscle aches, you've got a torn muscle, you've got bruising, you got, she, she goes, he goes, I ain't listening to you. She goes, you just take your, you get your pack and get on out off my porch. He goes, no, no, but this stuff really works. I think you'll like it. She goes, he goes, well, here, give me, give me a cloth. And he puts some on there. She goes, you got a spot that's hurting? And, and she, she put it on her elbow a little bit there. He said, I'll come back in a day or two. You let me know what that worked. When Mama passed away, you know what they found in, in her medicine cabinet? McNess, in a pain oil, big bottles. Big bottles. You know, I think the devil is trying to steal away our confidence in what we already know. And the Lord is saying, look, Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Put your confidence in me. I am trustworthy. He said, don't let anybody deceive you with persuasive words. You know, and in Revelation, there's a there, there, there's John, when he was writing what Jesus told him, in Revelation, it says, if anybody comes in and, 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 and tries to remove anything from the word of God, he said, their name will be removed from the Lamb's book of life. He said, if anybody tries to add anything, he said, the plagues that are in this book will be added unto them. I think that's pretty serious. Peter, Peter warned us in the last days that their men will not give heed to sound doctrine, but they will, they will give ear to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What we need to do then is we need to make sure that we are locked into the word of God. We're locked into the will of God and we're locked into the Lord himself in prayer and, and daily worship and reading of the word. You say, what daily worship? You guys open out here seven days a week. It's possible. Somebody's out here most of the time. But when I'm talking about daily worship and daily prayer, 
For me, that happens in my study at home. For me, that, 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 happens, that happens when we, if we happen to have little Miss Willow and she comes over and says, Papa, I got an owie. Can you take care of it? Man, there's nothing more, than, more honorable for me than to pray. And, and of course, Papa gives her a little kiss and it's all better. I, you know, if that, was, if that was the case, man, there wouldn't be any cancers. There wouldn't be any plague. There wouldn't be any, all right, come on, we're going to pray and Papa's going to kiss it and make it all better. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now that was funny. It was cute. Psalm 103 still says, I am the God that heals 50% of your diseases. What? All? Well, something's not working. Either that wasn't right or I'm not believing. Since God can't lie, then it has to be me. Now, before you send me nasty emails, and my, if, you, if you got an ache or pain, take a Tylenol. I took some this morning. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he is the God that heals all of your diseases. Now, which one of us? I'll talk to the guys. Oh, I talk to the moms, too. The moms are a little bit more stern when it comes to that. Oh, I'll get over it, you know. Uh, my mom said, you keep crying like that, I'll give you something to cry about. But anyway, no. Uh, dads? Grandpas? What happens? What happens? And I happen to know some people's grandpa in here. What happens when one of the little ones come up to you and say, Papa? Papa, man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I was talking. I was talking to Brother Glenn the other night, and all of a sudden, somebody needed up in Papa's lap, and, and I said, "Give me just a second, Pastor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got somebody important. I got a VIP right here." He said, "It sounds like it." Jesus said, "If you, being evil," He was talking to Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in heaven? Now, knowing that, when we read the Bible from that perspective, I've always said, and I'm, I'm going to cut this short. We'll finish this up on Wednesday night. Um, but it's, I hope this has blessed you. I hope this has touched you. But I've always said that my favorite time was when these guys were in the third grade. Because then I was faster than a, than a bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, mightier than a locomotive. But something happened. I don't know if I lost my cape. I don't know if somebody slipped kryptonite in, in the, into my drink. I don't know what happened. And oh, there are still times that I want to. And I'll always be there for them. As long as the Lord leaves me here, I will be there for them. 
I may not be able to make it right. I may not be able to fix everything. And, I, and let me extend that to the church family. I may not be able to make it, everything right. I may not be able to you know, kiss every boo-boo, especially dudes. That, that's just weird. But I guarantee you that I'll give you an ear. I'll give you a shoulder. And push come to shove. If, 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 if all I can do is cry with you, then I'll cry with you. Because that's my heart. You are my heart. But when they were in the third grade, dad could fix everything. There wasn't anything that dad couldn't do. Sometimes they still think that. <laughs> and dad's like, ah. That's the awesome thing about grandkids. Because there's nothing that Papa can't do. Oh, oh, that we would come into that relationship with our Heavenly Father and say to the world and say to our problems, there's nothing that my dad in heaven can't do. We have a spirit of adoption, friends, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, Abba. Translated means daddy. And there's nothing my daddy can't do. So next time you hear something, and I don't hear it too often, but next time somebody says, who's your daddy? Say, my dad is, is Jehovah Jireh. My dad is Jehovah Nisei. My, my dad is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Glory! Hallelujah. And there's nothing that my dad can't do. One time I, I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Went to school with a guy whose dad owned a trucking company. And he was always telling how strong and how tough his dad was. And his dad could, his dad could you know, pick up 400 pounds. And I've I seen it, he could. He's a, he's a brute. He'd just pick up you know, half of a skid and the tow motor broke down. And here we are unloading skids of, of those gallon jugs of industrial canned green beans and corn. And he was a restaurant supplier. Here we are forming a chain, you know, making a chain. Nobody knows about chains anymore. You know, the other day I was at somewhere and they were rolling out one thing at a time. Hey, let's form a chain, you know. And so we, people start passing. Hey, this works pretty good. Yeah, you think maybe Henry Ford had something going on in the 1900s. But I don't know. But... Uh, so inevitably, somebody will always take one and two and just try to walk it around the chain yourself. Man, this is getting tiring. No, no, form a chain. So here we done. We've done unloaded like eight skids of stuff. And, and, and him, th this guy's dad and his two sons. Now his two sons were on one side and he was on the other uh, of, of, of canned green beans, Del Monte green beans. Up in the back of a truck. I looked at that guy and I said, I ain't never mouthing off to you ever again. Dude, that dude was stout. As boys, we used to brag about our dads. Man, my dad's tougher than your dad. My, you know, he never, I never, you know, my, my, dad, my dad was tough, but I, I never got into that contest. Because I knew how tough his dad was. One day, a new kid showed up at school, and he said, uh -huh. my dad's tougher than yours. Uh-uh. And I, they looked at me, and I said, leave me out of it. He said, my dad's stronger than your dad. Oh, Yeah. Well, my dad drives 18-wheelers all over, the, and he even loads them by hand. My dad's tougher than that. He can hold an 18-wheeler with one finger. What? That's right. He stands out there, and he goes like this, and your dad can't move. 
what? Next day after football practice, this state police car pulls up. And this tough kid, this tough dad gets out. Of course, he's in jeans. and You can really stop a semi with one finger? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I just go, and they have to go here, and they have to go there, and they have to, and we're like, dude, he's stronger than your dad. (laughs) You know what? My dad, my heavenly father, is stronger than anybody's. And you know something else? He cares about me. He listens. When I talk to him, I have full confidence that he hears. You know how I know? Because he answers. Lord, it sure would be nice. It sure would be nice. If, and how many times? How many times have you even thought a prayer, and the and all of a sudden the Lord just said, "Yeah, you know what? God, I'm going to bless you today." And all of a sudden the doors open. You may have been in an insurmountable situation. You may have found yourself in 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 the in the depths. Remember, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Samson from the depths of sin's prison. He cried out, and the Lord heard him. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. Your heavenly father loves you with an unbreakable, unstoppable, undeniable love. That's the God I serve. And that's why we should give him thanks every day. Because this is the day that our Heavenly Father has made. If that was just enough, that's a true statement. But if that was it, let's do the continuation. We made a truth statement. Let's follow it up by a declaration. This is the day that the Lord has made. That's a true statement. Now you can build upon the truth, can't you? You want to make the declaration? I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. Amen? Amen. If this is the day that the Lord has made and you're never going to come to one that's not, then we can make that declaration that I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? And when we do that, the Bible says if you want to be near to God, draw near to him because he draws near to all those who draw near to him. If, you're, if you can't feel God around you and you can't feel God and it's been a long time, who's, who's drawing apart? Draw near to God and he will draw near unto you. And then tomorrow morning when you get up, you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter who sits down the road. Doesn't matter who sits in Washington. Doesn't matter any of that because we know that Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory, Lord, for you alone are worthy. Lord, we thank you that you have made us family. We thank you that you have knit us together. Lord, we thank you that your, your righteous and holy blood allows us, Lord, to become the sons and daughters or family of God. We love you, Jesus, and we give you all the honor and all the glory, and it's in your name that we pray. And everyone said,
Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us here at the River, you can email us at study at riverwc, all one word, dot org. Again, that's email to study at riverwc.org. God bless you.